0: Father, we thank you that you are here with us. God, you're here with us when we're in worship, even when we go through announcements, sharing something of the life of, of, of this family, of this house. God, and we just pray that your your presence would be upon us, would be upon me, God, even as I share your word and preach this morning. I pray that it really would cut to our hearts and, and change us, Lord God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Just a final little thing which we didn't add on the list. Um, Manuk is, a, is Brigitte, who knows Brigitte, a Dutch lady in our church, good friends with Katya. Her daughter had open heart surgery, I think on Sunday, Monday last week, um, and it's taken a few days. And then there was a, a big emergency that happened yesterday morning where they had to kind of reopen her. And uh, the, basically the, the donor's valves weren't taken So basically, they're going for another operation just to uh, worry about details, but actually know that we're going to pray and trust God. Uh, she's part of this house, she's a friend uh, of this house of, of people in, in City Light. So, Father, we, we come before you. And, Lord God, we thank you for my nook. Lord God, we thank you that she's in the palm of your hand. We pray, Lord God, that uh, for, for this, this surgery, this emergency surgery that's happening, I pray that you'd guide the surgeon's hands supernaturally, Father. I pray, Lord God, that there'd be a sense that you go, you, you stretch down from heaven and you put your hand on our heart and let it fuse all together, work together. Father, we just proclaim your life in the precious name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you're a God that does heal. God, you're a God that is good. And we're just trusting you this morning. And we stand together. We know that when one or two pray, there's a thousand set to flight. But God, the more that pray, there's, there's a multiple um, amount of angels that are sent to flight. Lord, we just pray that we pray for complete healing in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so can you turn in your Bibles to John 4? We will get to that. I've got a little bit of an intro, and then we'll get through to that. We've been looking, and are going to be looking over the next few weeks, at pictures of Jesus. Um, We're a community that is focused around Jesus. We don't focus around great coffee. But let's just give a little shout out to the coffee machine. Um, he can't hear, smell. It's a he officially because he makes. I'm just, I just want to say he makes good coffee. Is a he, but I'm just joking. I wouldn't say that. Um, we're a community that that wants to reflect who Jesus is, and uh, and it's and I think we started the, the church uh, three almost four years ago. We're coming into our fourth uh, birthday. Who was here from the beginning, which is. That's cool. That, yeah, uh, it means we've grown, <laughs> and um, just just amazing to see to see what God's doing. And I, I remember writing down like a, a vision statement: we want to be lights in the city, city lights reflecting Jesus. And I was like, okay, cool. But as we've as we've kind of evolved as a church, we just we thought of a line for us, and we, I've shared this before, but we're thriving community expressing Jesus to the city now. The Bible speaks that we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head, we are his body, which means the head is the commander. Okay, so if we don't have a brain, our body doesn't work. It's pretty simple, okay? So if Jesus is not in control of uh, our lives as a church, when I talk church, I'm not talking a building, I'm talking a people, and I think we've we've misinterpreted what church is. Church is not a place of worship. Church, the word church is, actually means ecclesia, means called out people, which means that that Jesus has, has has ripped us out of darkness into light. Some of you have testimony of that, where you were walking in darkness, where you're running your own way. God came and, and, and pulled you out of that place into these marvelous lights. We are now called out community in love with Jesus. We want to we 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 hear what God's saying. We want to do what God's saying. We want to feel the heartbeat of God, and we want to change the city. And I always thought, okay, well, I'm often like... Going um, as a visionary, I'm always like, "Okay, go out there, change the world, change." And sometimes, actually, there's people inside, sitting in city lights right now, that are going through heavy stuff, in lives, in marriages. It could be anything, in and whatever. And I, I just when I'm when I'm preaching on like what our community looks like, I want you to take these these stories of Jesus and say, "Cool, this is how I must model Jesus." But also, the people that he models it to, you are that person. So when this when Jesus. And when there's a lady that's that's caught in sin, they're about to stone her. Jesus bends down onto the ground, writes something in the ground, and then uh, to, to to the Pharisees, and they all drop their stones and walk away. And uh, she and he says, and, not, "And you're not condemned. Your sins are forgiven. Don't carry on sinning anymore." Jesus is after people who don't know him. This church exists for Jesus and for ourselves. Therefore, we exist for the city. So we need to. We need to, I feel that God, and that's why I said start this morning, I've, I've prepped, but I feel God's going to throw a few curveballs here and there, but I feel God wants to so radically rock us by his love, that, that, that there's, there's not like we get into this works mode, I better do this thing, I better do this Christian thing, I, I better tithe, I better go out and give to the poor, I better do these things, it is our duty, but if it's like I read earlier, if it's not done from love, love, we're a clanging cymbal. So I want to pray I know we've prayed three times already, but just say, God, you can raise your hand and say, God, would you just fill me with your love? Would you fill me and let me understand this morning what your love means? Father, we want to walk in love this morning. We want to we approach things in love. And I thank you, God, that you when Jesus came to earth, he came to show the love of the Father. And I pray that we would take that on board and also express it outwards. In Jesus' name. I want to look at, just before we get to John 4, Ephesians 1 verse 22. Can we just put it up there? I think it's the first. It says, and he put all things under his feet, this is God, and gave him the head over all things to the church. That's Jesus, head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, wherever you see the word church, some of you, if you go get the olive tree Bible on your iPad or or your tablet, click on that word there and you get the strongest concordance and always say Ecclesia. It'll never say a place of worship. This is a, a vehicle, this, this warehouse is a vehicle for us to become Ecclesia, so we cannot be the Ecclesia in here, but be the Ecclesia out there, the called out people of God. And it says, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And some versions says it fills everything in every way. And I've, I've just been thinking, like, how are we going to express the kingdom of God? And it's not going to happen within these four, how many walls? Yeah, we've got four walls, basically. The expression of the kingdom of God is out there. And in order for us to be, we have to understand that we are building the kingdom of God. And I said last week that everything we do is either adding or taking away from the kingdom of God. So in your workplace, you're either adding through your actions to the kingdom of God or you're taking away from it. And I think God God wants us to be a people that's, and I said this again last week, I don't want to just be a slick church, which is cool to have cool projectors and good music, and that's what we're aiming for, creativity coming out of the church. But if we have only that, and we have an attractional culture, but not ascending culture, we've missed the point of the Bible. And the point of the Bible is for us to be raised up as disciples and go and extend His kingdom, because Jesus has taken authority on this planet. The Bible says that all authority has been given to Jesus, and I said again last week, and I think it's good for you to hear that uh, the only way we ever give the enemy authority is if we start believing his lies. And it happened in the garden that they were walking in the cool of the day. Eve was uh, deceived by the serpent. She, she believed the lie. She agreed with the lie and so stepped into sin and so sin became rampant across the world and changed absolutely everything. Jesus came as the second Adam and changed everything. His death, sorry, his life, death, burial, and resurrection was the thing that inaugurated his kingdom so we can go take the kingdom of God to this planet. Okay. Ephesians three verse eight. Can we turn there? You don't have to turn there; it's on the board. To me, am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to uh, and to bring to the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. So, uh, let's join together, and, and to bring to the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. I mean, I can preach on that the whole day, but basically there's been this mystery, and we've been going basically looking at Genesis, the existence of God and God's plan of redemption. There's been this hidden thread and plan of God that is now revealed in Jesus Christ. We are living in the age of grace. We are living in the understanding of who Jesus is. There's more books on Jesus and understanding who he is than there ever has been. We have no excuse. And I think sometimes as Christians we live so defeated because we don't know the truth. And we don't know who Jesus actually is and what he's done. And somehow we have a bigger view of the devil than we do of God. He is in charge. Amen. I don't mind. Amens. Um, So that through the church, through the ecclesia, us, say, I am the ecclesia. With a happy face. I am the ecclesia. Say it. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the amazing thing is that so often believers, we, we, we stand back and we don't, we don't run forward into this very thing that God has laid ahead of us. Jesus has, has, has paved the way. And last week we went to a conference that for me just radically changed my life. There was uh, uh, words of knowledge, prophetic stuff. It was just God's presence was there. And, uh, and I, started to, I, st- I started to realize, and I've been a believer for coming on my whole life. I came out the womb a believer, and I'm joking. I can't remember when I gave my life to Jesus, beside the point. I've been, uh, I came back to God 14 years ago. And only now am I realizing, well, I'm a son of God. Jesus has ruled has total rule, dominion, and authority on this planet. Therefore, we can proclaim the scriptures that say, wherever your feet shall tread, I've given you that land. And we need to learn as, 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 as believers in Jesus that the manifold wisdom of God is being expressed through us into our workplace. Who God is, this understanding of the mysteries of God is not just worked out on, ch- uh, on church meetings, on, on, a, on a Friday, let's just call it community meetings, we have to change our language this community, this the, something of the wisdom of God is shown, but it's actually unfolded in our workplace. So I'm trusting that in this church, we have entrepreneurs raised up. I started to hear some amazing st- stories of two girls getting together. I want to import some stuff. I'm not going to give it all away, but it's, it's going to get exciting. Uh, people that have started businesses, we've got Brett, who was named again, some entrepreneur of the year. He's just kind of humble about it, but he's pretty much a big deal. Um, And uh, and can I just actually raise up hands, who is busy being an entrepreneur at the moment in some form or the other? Gary, you know you are. That's a gift on your life. Rams, think about that often. My dad's building stuff. His hands up. Marco is the main man entrepreneur. I feel that that is in the heart of the Father, and I, I feel that God wants to give people in this church the manifold wisdom of God. He wants to give wisdom from heaven. And last week, a lot that lot, kind of came through this prophetic thing was that there's going to be lots of Joseph and Daniel's raised up. And it's because God is going to do something so significant in this Dubai region, in this Middle East region. One of the prophecies that came through is that there's going to be more wealth flowing through here by 2017 than, than the rest of Southeast Asia. There's, there's some incredible stuff that we are poised. And if we're in the right place and we're saying, God, would you pour out your wisdom to me? Some of you are going to speak to kings. Some of you are going to speak to people in high places because, and it's not that we are anything special, it's because we were like Joseph and Daniel where we're just faithful, faithful with my family, faithful with the word of God, faithfully moving forward, faithful with my finances, faithful when no one's watching and all of a sudden God's going to release people in this church to do incredible things that I do not think we can even necessarily talk about publicly. There's going to be mustard seeds amongst us. I think I've got that verse, have we got it up? Do we have anything on the mustard seed? If not, I'll just give you a little paraphrase version. Basically, uh, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. When it's planted in the ground, it produces one of the biggest trees where birds come and flock and nest in. And I think that is always how the kingdom works. It's not like we, this church, who kind of triumphantly moves forward. We take over cities. It's always, like it's, it's always a little bit underground. If you look, I mentioned the Chinese church, for, for, for they're, they're fast becoming the biggest Christian nation in the world because the church is underground, it's persecuted, but it's totally taking over. And I think that, that God wants to release something of that over us as a people, understanding what the kingdom of God really means. And I, I, I just, we read the creeds last year, but if you look at the creeds um, that really is just statements of our faith, they miss out, the, for many of them, they miss out the life of Jesus. And I think we need to look again at the life of God and say, God, what did you express on this planet as a man, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we need to follow and go after? And I believe even signs, wonders, miracles, should, it's, the, it's the gift of his children. And I think some of you need to start trusting for, for, for words of knowledge, for people. Um, I don't know if I shared this, but uh, I was driving in a taxi. Please stop me if I have. I was driving in a taxi a couple of weeks ago. And I was just like thinking about this words of knowledge thing. And I was like, I'm going to drive. I'm going to just. I'm gonna test it on the taxi driver, you know? So I'm driving there. And then I had the, the word like, Lauren. And I thought, no, this guy's, this guy's from Pakistan. Like, how's he going to, anyone he knows is going to be Lauren. So I, I'm just telling you a failed story. Okay, I didn't, it wasn't obedient. But I'm just, for me, I want to say, God, I want to trust you to hear. And I've seen that. I, I, I've, I've shared this story before. Um, many years ago. When I first got saved, I was like, oh, I'm so stoked, I want, to, I want to do whatever. I always used to find the weirdest guys. Um, one guy honestly told me he was the angel of light. Uh, that was his name, which, which was interesting. So I tried to give him a prophetic word. It kind of just didn't really work. He didn't really get where I was going. Was as high as anything. But I think God wants us to experiment. He wants us to step out. He wants us to, to realize that we, are, we, we carry the DNA of heaven wherever we go. We don't have to live a Christian life that is boring. We don't have to live to think I'm going to get my fix on Friday, and then I'm going to carry on living as I want. Forget about who God is, but actually, God, help me in the workplace. Help me understand something that that I can bring a solution that is going to that's going to the, the, the wisest people in the company are going to wow. Who was that? And you can say, Do you know what? Eventually, you can turn to Jesus. I'm trusting for that. Um, kids are having a crazy time. Okay, John four, I'm going to read this together. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. That Jesus himself did not baptize them, his disciples did. Amazing how Jesus always built away from himself. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village of Sukkah near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. As soon a Samaritan woman came in to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Can we just quickly put that picture, that map, up? So basically, if you look here, I'm going to get out of the way. Jesus was up in Galilee, going down to Judea, which is where Jerusalem is. And the, the usual route for Jewish people would be to go around Samaria. And I'll explain why, why that is soon. It was a bit of, bit of a ghetto. They kind of claimed that, uh, that Abraham was, was their forefather. And uh, there was, the Jewish people were, the um, no other way to say it, they were racist and snobby. And they wouldn't kind of interact with anyone who wasn't part of their race. So basically Jew, Jesus intentionally walked through there, which we're going to get to the second part of the story. Can we go to the next slide? Uh, The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. There we go, it explains it. Jesus said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of God has for you and and to who you are speaking, you would ask me and I would give you living water. He says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Uh, And besides, do you think, You're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well. How can you offer better water than he has, sons animals can enjoy? Okay, let's just stop there for a second. Ghetto, (laughs) Samaria was almost like the the ghetto of the area. You wouldn't go there. I've got friends um, who live in some of the roughest parts of the the world. He lives in a place called Hillbrow in Johannesburg. Who knows where that is? You don't want to go there at night. and he's basically taken his family and he's planted them there to, to bring transformation and change. And I think he's understood something of what Jesus did here. And I think there's so many points that we're going to get out of this. But one of the main things is that Jesus continually crossed the cultural divide. Jesus didn't have an elitist thought about who he was. He was, he was giving a picture to the Jewish people and saying that actually through the Jewish people salvation is going to come but it's going to come to the rest of the world. And, and you need to start opening up your minds and hearts that this gospel is not for the, the Jewish or the Israeli people, but it's actually for the whole world. There's a couple of things there. She was a Samaritan woman, which was obviously looked down upon in that society. They, were, um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't generally talk to anyone. Second thing is that she was a woman. And sometimes you can miss it if you, if you don't read between the lines, but it says it was noon, at, at noon that this woman came to get water. So immediately, if you, if you understand something of the culture, that, that it was always in the morning that the woman would go and collect water. She intentionally went to the afternoon so, so she wouldn't have to meet up with anyone. So it's almost like, uh, who, who has uh, kids at school? And you drop them off and you have a little chat. I remember when I was at school, you always had the moms. And then the tuck shop moms used to stay and like, give you free food and stuff, which was cool. But my mom never did that which I'm okay with that. Um, And it's almost like that's what it was like in the morning. They'd meet at the well, they'd have a little gossip session, and then they would go back, they'd take their water back to their house. She intentionally went in the middle of the day, and we're going to see now why. It says, uh, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And uh, she says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll be, ne- never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. It, immediately she's misunderstanding all of this. Now Jesus, through prophetic words of knowledge, knowledge about this woman, she says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. She says, I don't have a, 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 a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth. So much in there. First of all, she's misunderstanding what what God is saying. Jesus is offering this. Whenever you see living water in the New Testament, it basically meant water that was moving. So Jesus was obviously saying that, but also bringing a deeper meaning that he is the living water, that out of him flows living water. And if you don't have if you don't have moving water, you've got stagnant water. It's dead. It's it's unhealthy. You can't do anything with it. And and I was just as I was prepping and praying through the scripture, and I thought, do you know what the world has lived of stagnant water? They've done their best with it. They think it's life, but it's actually death. And um, we went uh, as I was saying, we went to this conference. It was Friday night, and the whole day Saturday, and we went Friday night, and then we ended up going out for dinner afterwards. Went to one hotel which we didn't end up going to. But as we're sitting there, I just see these streams of people coming in and out. You know, you have the guy that, that he's like kind of the main the main jock. And he's kind of controlling the crowd. He's like, Oh get in the car, you know, bring in all the chicks and he's like and he's like talking to the girls and all this kind of thing and they dress scantily, cladly. That's not even a word, but they're not uh, dressed great. And um, I said to Star, I was like, Wow, for, I, there was such a realization in me there that I came from this incredible prophetic conference where God honestly impacted my world so deeply. And then you go and you hang out with this where it's so empty. People are trying to find approval. They're trying to do do stuff that, and I said to start, it's amazing how it doesn't matter what nationality people are, where they're from, they're all trying to attain the same thing. They're all trying to look good in front of one another. You always have the one guy who's the drunk guy and he's like, he's normally the quiet guy, but when he gets drunk, he's the fun guy. And then you have the one guy who kind of leads the pack, talking to the girls. And uh, it's just like, they're all trying to prove something. And I, I came back from this, from this uh, prophetic thing, realizing, wow, I've tasted the real. I've seen who God is. And I think that's why we meet together. It's, it's why here, yeah, this, this is the most real, we're going to understand where your place. You're accepted here for, for absolutely, you don't have to jump through any hoops. We are accepted. Yet in the world, we live in this, this place where we always have to kind of attain something. It was just so real to me after after seeing that. And Jesus offers this eternal water. And if we want the, this living water to come through us, we have to allow the stagnant water to be flushed out. And sometimes that's easier said than done. I've, um, I've, I've met people who, when they've got saved, they've literally just surrendered their hearts to Jesus They were delivered of drug addiction. They were delivered of alcoholism. They were delivered of wrong thinking. They were delivered of all these things in that moment. But then I've walked journeys with different people where it's a a slower, progressive thing. And either way, it doesn't matter because God loves us equally. It's just some people have a longer journey and maybe that's part of their testimony and some people have a shorter journey and maybe that's part of their testimony. And I want to say, wherever you are on your walk right now, you have to allow the living water to flow through you. That the stagnant water that is not bringing life into parts of your life. Just, just say, Jesus, and I've prayed this prayer many times, wash over me. Let your living water wash over me. Cleanse me out. Take away all the gunk. And the thing is, I love what Star says. What is the word you had? Wrongfully accused or falsely accused? False accusation. I was almost there. Um, false accusation. The enemy will always come and try bring false accusations. You're sitting there now and you're going, oh, but you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did this week. I'm like, to be honest, I, Jesus doesn't care because his love overcomes all of that stuff. And I think we need to let the love of God and the forgiveness of Jesus so minister so deeply into our hearts. And I think when the love of God hits us, it doesn't mean we become irresponsible. We, we actually we take, we take responsibility for the things we've done. We go make right. We go make a change. Because the love of God has changed us. I, I love, I love the part that Jesus never shows discrimination, and I was, I was going to call this uh, sermon, "God is not a racist," but I won't. It's just uh, probably would have, not many people would have come to church, um, and I love how Jesus just keeps. Keeps, he, he goes against the, the Jewish norms and he, and he, and he walk, intentionally walks through Samaria to go meet one person. And so often, I think in our lives, especially even as a pastor, I'm like, sometimes it's about the crowd. And I'm like, no, it's about the ones and the twos. And it's the individuals we meet. And it's, are you willing to go out of your way? Jesus, he, okay, the, the, the route around was obviously longer. Jesus kind of cut through the middle of Samaria. But he intentionally cut through because he knew, somehow had some kind of word of foreknowledge. Maybe he didn't. Maybe in that moment God started giving him stuff. We don't know how Jesus operates on that level. But he went through that area to reach one woman. And eventually we'll see that that changed the city. And it says, I just love, I love this. Um, Revelation seven 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. That's amazing. From every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hand. And I just had a few conversations with people this week, and I thought, if there's any form of racism to anyone, we live in a, a, a very racist society. You've got, there's definitely a pecking order that goes down. If we are, are racist to anyone or think differently to anyone or treat someone differently, the gospel for me hasn't touched your heart. The gospel has to, has to rip us apart that shows that Jesus settled this 2,000 years ago. Paul settled this 2,000 years ago. These were the Jews of Jews. Paul Paul was like the Pharisee of Pharisees. He wouldn't hang out with anyone who was not a Jew. And they settled this, and Paul writes, says, there's no Jew, Greek, slave, or free. We're all the same under Jesus Christ. And I think Jesus again and again in his ministry, he, and I love how when he tells a parable, this Pharisee asks him a question. I won't have time to read it, but this Pharisee asks him a question. Jesus says, okay, sell your possessions, go love your neighbor. And, and then the Pharisee goes, <coughs> who is my neighbor? He's obviously trying to catch Jesus out, you know? Because he knows that in Jewish law, you can only be friends with, with Jewish people and stuff. And then I love how Jesus brings this parable about the Samaritan. And he makes the, the good Samaritan the hero of the story. And and for centuries afterwards, they've got like the good Samaritan hospital. you have got the Samaritan purse, which look after people who are destitute. You've got all these things which shows that that Jesus kept pushing outside of the, 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 the racial confines of the Jewish nation. And I think even what's happening around the states with Ferguson, I, I won't go too much into that because I think everyone have different viewpoints on it, but it just shows how fragile our world is, where we think we passed all of that. And I say, we are a kingdom people. We are living for this moment where every nation, tribe and tongue, is going to be worshipping together. And we need to start living that out as a people, completely. It means that Paul, uh, I think Jesus in says when someone comes into a meeting and you give the person who's rich the good seats and then the, someone who's poor, you, like, you, you ignore them. The gospel has not hit our hearts. And we need to understand that maybe church is going to start looking messy because we're not going to have people that look like us, smell like us, have the same backgrounds as us, don't even speak like us. Because so often in Dubai, we can get so stuck into our little... Uh, American, I mentioned American first because I don't want to pick on South Africans straight away. We are on American, South Africans, Australians, we can get into our clique, do our little things, and we've missed the point of the gospel. And it, it, it saddens me when I see churches that are like totally focused on one language or people group. We're missing the point of the gospel. The gospel is every single person. And I think more than ever, we have this picture here in Dubai to say, we can model something of heaven. It's what Jesus was going after. With the woman at the well. <laughs> I'm gonna have a little bit of water. Jesus offers us living living life. I love can we go back to that last verse please, Jenny? Said she goes, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. He said, You're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. And Jesus says, You certainly spoke the truth. And so often, all God is requiring of us, if we want to get rid of the stagnant water in our lives, let's just be honest with Him. God knows it already. Like, you you know, like, there's no point in holding back from God or even speaking to, if you need to speak to someone, because the Bible said it's good to bring stuff to the light. The The longer you keep it in darkness, the darker it's going to get. And it's going to end up being a sword that just festers over your whole life and, and just messes you up, basically. Everyone who's seen Jesus will want to pour everything out to him. And I will just love that moment where Jesus is, now you actually speaking the truth. And Jesus doesn't accuse her, damn her, he actually starts speaking about worship. So can we go to the next one? It's amazing how when, when, when someone touches on a sore point in your life, you change the subject? Done that so many times. Don't, don't go there. I'll talk about saying else. This is exactly what happened with this woman. So he just hits a sore point. He's, he basically prophesied over here and said, listen, he, he told the whole history. and says, sir, the woman said you must be a prophet. So tell me why is it that Jews insist in Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while Samaritans claim here the Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. So basically she's just trying to change the subject. Goes, I see you a prophet. Then what do you think about this? And I can tell you that that is religion. And I, I've, I've interacted with people where I know I've, I've hit a sore point, And then they start talking religiously back to me. Can we, we are not, we are, my aim is not to be a religious church. Come on. We have to be a people that are just real open. And we, we just let things out and say, do you know what, God, you need to come and deal with this in us. And I love Jesus' response. He says, believe me, dear woman, Jesus, again, just doesn't even answer a question. The time is coming when it, is no long, when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. while well, we Jews know all about Him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Amazing. But the time is coming, indeed it is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship in that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And basically the rest of the story, which I don't have time to read, she goes back, she runs to a town and she says, listen, there's a prophet who's told me absolutely everything I've done. Uh, the town comes out and says, many believed from that town. And I just think the, if we are expressing Jesus correctly and the ones and the twos, it's going to lead to multitudes. Sometimes multitudes will see, sometimes we won't see. And we need, we need to be a people of grace that loves him. And I just, that last point, which mountain do we worship? Jesus just points and says, listen, it's irrelevant where you worship because there's a, the time is coming and has now come. Jesus is standing before you as the Messiah, which doesn't matter where you worship, but you're going to worship from your heart. And, uh, and I think from that moment, it absolutely changed. I've, I've preached out of that lots of times around worship and that kind of thing. But the point is, it's not about the place. It's a people. It's a people that loves God. And I think if we can take out of this, there's so much in there that I've missed out on. But if we can just take little snippets and snapshots of Jesus' life and see our lives changed and see people around us change where we live, we live out the gospel. We live out the kingdom of God that everything we do throughout life is, we we are in a a huge way, a prophetic people showing what the future is going to look like. I just want to end with one story. There's um, a guy called uh, Dudley Daniel who started New Covenant Ministries, a lot of people we know around the world are linked with that and in with that. And um, he was telling a story. Now, for those of you who know, in the early, mid-80s, uh, there was serious racial tension in South Africa. And they, they were one of the four forerunners churches in South Africa at the time as leading a church where they let all races come into the church. And that was groundbreaking. For those of you who've lived in that time in South Africa, Ray McCauley was also one of them. Um, these guys were groundbreaking. They were they were they were they were showing a prophetic vision of what the church should start looking like. They were years ahead of the country. And um, I remember the story uh, where he, he went on this this trip, and uh, they had people from all from all different nationalities. There's 11 official languages in South Africa, but he, and he had them all in his church, and they went on this church camp, and uh, and they went together, and then there was just like racial remarks that were made. He packed up that whole. Whole church camps, we had 200 people says we're leaving right now because now we are making a stand. And I think that we've so moved, I think in many ways we've moved past that. We live in this world that is changed that has been changed through people who saw a prophetic future. But I want to say, can we start to dream God's dreams? And I, I just wrote something on the first page. Um, can we start to dream about what this world can look like? And we need to start living it out, even if it means persecution. He got persecuted because he did that. He was looked down upon because he did that. But he saw, Dali Daniel saw something of a future that now South Africa in many ways is living in. So can we can we just pray together? Father, we we come before you. God, I thank you, Lord God, that your kingdom is breaking into our hearts and lives. Thank you, Jesus, that we've seen this model that you've come in and you've absolutely... In one moment, one encounter with one woman, you've shattered so many perceptions of, uh, of, of racial inequality. You've, you've shattered so many perceptions of how we should worship. We, you've shattered how you actually love us despite what we've done. And I pray, God, that that this morning we would be a people that, that start to live this out in an incredible, incredible way. Can we all stand, please? I feel... God wants to release our hearts to dream again so can we just if you're comfortable with it put your hands out say God just I'm, I' I want to see what you're seeing. I want to hear what you're hearing father I don't want to be stuck in a, in a in just business as usual church as usual, company my company as usual I don't want to be stuck in that. I want to see what you're seeing. I want to be part of this prophetic future that you are painting a picture of, Lord God. God, I pray that your kingdom would come into our hearts. We started off with love. We're going to end with love. We just want to sing this song together and then we may just pray for people, but we're going to sing Can't Stop Your Love. And just say... Father, we thank you that your love started 2,000 years ago, even before that, Lord. That there was an inauguration of love in your kingdom. And I pray, God, that it would just, it would just bleed into our hearts this morning.